Good morning, everybody. So glad to have you in chapter four of this 31-week series we've called The Story. We are starting a chronologically based series from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And if you noticed out in the lobby, we're set up for Rescue Day, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But really, we're also uh, from Cafe Aroma to the lobby. If you would like to be joining us along with the story, you can purchase the story. It's 80% of the Word of God laid out in novel form, easy to read, easy to understand. It connects the dots, and uh, we're going to be helping you become more biblically literate in 2018, really know all the stories, which really is one big story of God. We started with Adam and Eve. We moved to Abraham, uh, whose name was Abram. At 75 years old, he's given a promise from God that he is going to have descendants that outnumber the sand, the stars in the heaven and the sand on the seashore. And, and here, Abram is 75. His, his wife's a few years younger. He says, hey, we're going to have all these kids. And she's like, what? This, this oven ain't baking no bread. And, and, and yet, through the process, God's promise is fulfilled, and he has Isaac. And then Isaac has Esau and Jacob, and Jacob takes the, the reins, and he uh, has 12 children. And that forms the nation of Israel. Jacob's name is changed by God to the name Israel. And we have these tribes that make up the entire nation of Israel. And it's all about the promise of God. And today is no difference. We're going we're gonna to talk about the promises of God and how they unfold in the story of God through the Bible. And in 2018, the story of you and the story of me. So take your study notes right there on the back of your uh, worship guide. There's just some lines there to you to fill in. You have no blanks to fill in today, but I encourage you to follow along and take some notes uh, this morning. Let's start with the, the definition of a promise, because that's really what we're going to start with today, is the promise, an offer with a guaranteed result. How many of you ever made a promise to somebody? Anybody? How many of you ever broke a promise? Oh, like, sometimes it was intentional, many times it's unintentional. But we love promises, and we get jaded, we get twisted when promises have been given to us and those promises fall short. But God is a God of promises, and he has offers on the table. He has promises all throughout the Word of God with a guaranteed result. It's up to us to chase after them. In fact, the author of Hebrews says it like this. When God wanted to guarantee his promises, I'll give you a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's not what God said. Instead of a 30-day money-back guarantee, you'll lose weight or I'll give you your money back. It'll be the best sleep of your life or I'll, you know, give you a can of Ambien, whatever. Like, when God wanted to guarantee his promises, he gave his word, a rock-solid guarantee. The word of God is his promise to us. And God can't break his word. Some of us break our promises. Some, we didn't want to, but we did. We have. Sometimes we will. But God cannot break his word. And because his word cannot change, that means that the promise is likewise unchangeable. So the promises of God that were made long time ago are still, because he can't change his word, those are still promises available. And we who have run for our very lives to God, those that have said, Jesus, I want you to be the Savior, the center, the Lord of my life, those that have run for him to our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. Not only does he have promises, but then 
he invites us into a journey of receiving those promises. He doesn't just say, I'm going to put these in your back pocket. I'm going to stuff these down your throat. You can see the partnership of us grabbing with both hands and not letting go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. His promises are not there just to have appearances, just to be able to make it in life. His promises are there to reveal himself to you and to me so that we cannot go we can go past the church going and go past the good stuff and go past just like, you know, talking to the big man upstairs and we actually can go right to the very presence, the intimate relationship with Jesus that each and every one of us have access to. Not just some kind of religion to the to the God in the sky but an intimate relationship with Jesus that we can talk to. He talks to us, real friendship and presence. So promises all throughout the Bible, 7,000 promises to be exact. In fact, if you deal with fear, there's promises for fear in the Bible. When you read the scripture, his word, it is unchanging. You got fear in your life. You got a real life situation. You're afraid to make a decision or you don't know what's going to happen or you're worried and you kind of get, you get a, a paralysis of analysis and you get a little afraid of stuff. Well, the Bible says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? You can trust him. It's a promise that you can trust the strength of God. Maybe you got the devil on your back. I don't mean just a monkey on your back. I mean the devil is on your back. It's like you just can't get ahead and you feel like you're attacked from every which way and every angle. We have a real adversary in the enemy, in Satan himself. And the Bible says, though, he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. We, we, don't, we, we, we give the devil way too much credit. He's not like, it's not like he's the opposite of God. He was created as an angel. He got pride in the way and he chose to leave God's house, heaven. He chose to leave heaven and like a lightning bolt and thunder, he left and, and he is not the same level as God, but he is definitely an adversary, but he who is in us is greater than the enemy that is in the world. Finances, you got issues with finances, not know where to spend it, or you don't have money to spend, or you don't know what to do or decision to make, my God shall supply all your wants. Wait, 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 no, no. My God shall supply all your what? Need, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You may not get everything you want, but he'll supply what you need. Uh, maybe you're in the process of waiting what, what is God, how does God give us a posture in the middle of waiting? His word gives us promise. My grace will be sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So when we're waiting and we're weak in the waiting, he gives us grace that's sufficient. Oh, man, kids start driving. There's promises for that. Driving my 14-year-old my driving me around in the back parking lot of the church the other day. I'm just going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Great. We're going seven miles an hour. Oh, God. But even then, Psalm 12, 121, the Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. And man, it doesn't even stop there. Some of you have a crazy, unreal fear of the dentist. And the Bible says, open your mouth and I will fill it. That may be taken out of context a little bit. We used to sing the song, crown him with many crowns. I don't think he was meaning the dentist here. Now, those are funny, but God's promises are available to you and to me. In fact, because God's promises are available, I need to know them. 
You need to like know the promises of God. Some of you are asking for God to show up in ways that before you even ask him for that, you need to back up and figure out what he's already promised you and chase those things first. You need to know them. But not only do you need to know them, but you need to understand them. Because there's this whole thing with promises that just because you know there's a promise in Scripture, many people will take out of context. They'll twist it for their own devices, for their own gain, for their own reward. It's called like prosperity, like, like where, where it, it, God wants me rich. No, no, God wants to supply every need according to his riches. If you get if wealthy, he gives you responsibility with that wealth. You need to understand what he expects in that blessing. And then once I know and I understand that just because there's a promise of God, there's also participation in the process with me. So, so there are times where God says, I'm going to heal your land. I'm going to turn things around. I'm going to forgive you. But there's a promise that also has a premise. And in Chronicles, we read that, that promise with the premise. And it goes like this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their own wicked ways, then the promise, I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, I'll restore and heal their land. There's promise, but there's also our part, the premise. And so throughout the scripture, starting with Adam and Eve, going to Abram, Isaac, and Jacob, now Jacob into Joseph. Last week we talked about how Joseph was deserted by his family, had major family dysfunction, thrown into the well, sold into slavery in Potiphar's house, went from Potiphar's house to the prison house to Pharaoh's kingdom, Pharaoh's palace. God had this huge blessing on, on Joseph, and because Joseph became the assistant Pharaoh, the deputy Pharaoh in all of Egypt, he calls out for his dad and his brothers, and all of Israel's sons, the tribes of Israel, they move, they relocate from where they are in the Middle East to Egypt, and there they begin to live their life uh, with blessing. Now, one Pharaoh rises and falls, and another Pharaoh rises and falls. And after a while, people forget who Joseph is. Do not think for a second that any kind of moral standards in America will stay from one generation to the next without purpose, without focus. We see all throughout the Bible that one king rose into power and they honored God and God blessed them and the very next leader came into power and they, they, they turned their back on God. We're one generation away from turning our back on God. One generation away. It's why it's so important. It's why we value reaching the next generation here because we, we want to invest in that next generation, want more for them so that we, we can keep alive those moral anchors Biblical anchors in the next generation. Are you with me this morning? And so we see that Joseph is forgotten and his brothers are forgotten. And the nation of Israel, these tribes, they're growing and growing and growing and growing. They, they, they just, they have, they, they being fruitful and multiplying. Spirit of rabbits. And so they're just tons, what in the world? So, so they're just like tons of Israelites starting to show up. And Pharaoh gets nervous. Pharaoh gets intimidated, and so he takes all the power of the nation of Egypt, and he enslaves the Israelites. They lose their freedom. They lose their comfort. Joseph who? And they become slaves in the nation of Egypt, and they have to then begin to, to, to um, work out all of their, all of their uh, days 
making brick to make the pyramids we see today, the homes that were there, they became slaves. And it's in the middle of this that not only are they growing and becoming slaves, but Pharaoh wants to help cut down the population because he says in the scripture, they will get so many, they'll overpower our nation. So he orders mass genocide of the boys that are Israelites. And the army goes out and begins to kill, mass genocide, kill the babies of these Hebrew children, of these Israelites, kill the baby boys. And there's one mom that protects her son. His name is Moses. She weaves together a basket, covers it in pitch, and sends it down the river, hoping, praying that something will happen to this boy beyond just the, the sword of the, of the army coming down the road. Sure enough, Moses finds his way down the river and into the, the, the marsh there next to Pharaoh's palace. And one of Pharaoh's children finds Moses. And Moses is spared. He's delivered from the genocide. And he begins to grow up in Pharaoh's home. It's not a secret that he is of Hebrew blood. And, and through a course of events, God speaks to Moses, who himself was delivered. He says, Moses, I'm going to use you. I, I want to keep my promise of the nation. I want to keep my promises alive, and I'm going to use you, Moses. Listen to me, everybody. When we think that your voice doesn't count, when you think that just one person can't make a difference, I'm here to tell you that's not true. One man who never painted a picture, there's more art of this man in, in museums all across the world. This one man who never composed a song, there's more songs been composed by, uh, about Jesus than any other person in human history. Jesus never built a building. He was a carpenter's son, but he never built a building, yet there are more buildings erected in the name of God and his son, Jesus Christ, than any other person. One person can make a difference, and we see the power of one person like Jesus through the Old Testament image of Moses. And Moses is, is, is uh, called of God to lead the Hebrew children out from under the bondage of the Egyptians. And in Exodus chapter 6, we see the core promises of God that aren't just, for the promise, aren't just promises for the Israelites, but they are promises for 2018. Core promises for all of humanity. He shows it through the story of the Israelites, but it's the story, the lower story is for the Israelites, but he has a greater plan, and it's for you and for me right here in East Texas in 2018. And here's what he says. God says this. Moses, go tell the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. What's happening in the lower story on earth is God is saying, I'm going to pull the Israelites out of that mire, out of that nastiness, of that slavery. But the upper story, God is showing that all of humanity, he wants to bring them out, and it's called salvation. It's a promise to everybody, anybody, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. All have sinned and fallen short, but no matter where we are, what we've done, where we've been, how much guilt we feel, how much shame, oh man, you know what, don't ever be guilty. Don't ever be guilty of even jokingly say that I see on Facebook, someone says, man, I went and visited a church the other day, it was Timber Creek Church, and don't you dare be the one that comments, man, the walls didn't cave in when you went in. Walls didn't fall in because you showed up? No, because until Jesus comes back, 
everybody's welcome and nobody's perfect and God can do anything through anyone at any time. And it's one of the core promises we have of God, salvation. It was a promise then, and it's promised now. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't promise, stop at the promises of salvation. He says, not only am I going to bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, I will free you from being slaves to them. Now, that's interesting. It sounds like that's already the promise of bringing you out. But we can even see, as we read, that once they got out of Egypt, they still had some Egypt in them. They still had some habits. They still had some hang-ups. They still kind of preferred to even be back in Egypt when the going got tough. They reverted back to just whatever it took. I'd just rather be a slave than out here wandering in the wilderness that you'll read about this next week. But I want to free you. That's the lower story. He's going to free them. But on the upper story, God provides freedom for everybody. See, salvation is instantaneous. You ask Jesus to save you, he saves you. If you have the, the heart and the mind, you believe and you confess, you're saved. And you don't, it's not hard because if it were hard, it'd be all about what you could do. And it's not about what you could do. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. But then freedom that comes after salvation. Listen, I want to tell you something. You, you raise a hand for salvation today. You write on the red line of a connect card. And you still, and you, you also have a bunion on your, one of your toes when you do that. When you drop that red card, connect card, in the offering plate or at the next step booth or in one of our giving boxes and you walk out, to the, to, out there into the parking lot, you still got that bunion. Like you got to deal with it, right? I got this ganglion cyst. I know it sounds so sexy. Ganglion cyst underneath my big toe on my left foot. And every once in a while, man, I'll just lean just right on that thing. I'll go, whoa, people think I'm getting the Holy Spirit. It's the, ga- it's the ganglion cyst. It may be the Holy Spirit too, but ow. Still got to deal with that. Now look, you can get saved and you're set free from your sin. Sin is gone. You have a clean slate. But there's also habits and hangups and junk. And what mom always told you that you'd never do. And what dad did. And there's stuff we hang on to and we're not quite free yet. You're saved. You're on your way to heaven, but you're not completely free from the stuff of life. God doesn't want to just save you. He wants to free you. He doesn't want to just forgive you of that sin that you have felt guilty over. He wants to actually take the guilt away because you're not free from the guilt. You're free from the sin, but you're still living in the guilt and the shame. He says, that's not my design for you to ask forgive. I forgave you, that's fine, but I also want to free you from all that. Some of you are dealing with pain, hanging on to pain because somebody hurt you. God saved you, but he also wants to free you from that pain. He doesn't stop there. He says, I'll redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. On the lower story, they are going to be redeemed into a nation, not of slaves, but of warriors. Not of slaves, but of of solid men and women of one true God raising families in the promised land. The upper story is that everybody deserves restoration. Everybody deserves a, a 180, a new lease on life, a real purpose. And he says, I'm not just gonna stop with salvation and freedom and restoration, but then I'm gonna take you as my own people and I'm gonna be your God. And this is really fulfillment. God never intended for you just to be saved. Ask him into your life and then deal with bondage, 
the, the hamster wheel of not knowing where to go next and not feeling quite fulfilled or like you're making a difference. He died for way much more than just your salvation. He promises all of these things to you. Then, and I believe it's then and only then, when you really begin to see the pattern of promises of God activated in your life, that you will truly know the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Now, we're not in Egypt, but we are in East Texas, and there's some similarities from Egypt and East Texas. And it may not be slavery in the form of making bricks and making pyramids, but there are a lot of pyramid schemes out there that you've got to be aware of. But no, that's not the story. What I'm saying is there's some yoke that you're living with, and I mean egg yoke. <laughs> I mean the yoke, bondage. And when these... When these Israelites were under the yoke. They were enslaved. They were trapped. They were exhausted. They were empty. They were trapped because they were slaves. They were exhausted because not only did Pharaoh make them slaves, but then he, he made them make bricks. Then he had, they had to go find their own straw along with it, find all the stuff. Like he just made it a living hell for them. Beyond that, they had an emptiness because of this mass genocide. There was no hope for the future. He's killing all of our boys. He's going to wipe out our nation in just a few generations. Everybody's going to die after this generation because he's wiping out the future. And I can say that maybe that's not the physical reality of you, but it is the spiritual reality of us. We can feel trapped, enslaved to ourself and the stuff of life. We can feel exhausted like... Just the daily crying, is, is there more to life than this? We can feel empty like, like there's not a hope in the future and like you're hitting the dead end. And I'm here to tell you the promises of the story of God through Egypt and Exodus of Israel is the same stories that are promised to us in East Texas in 2018. So when we feel trapped and exhausted and empty, we like to say this. How did I get here? Nobody wakes up one morning and says, I want to ruin my life. Wipe the fog after the shower off the mirror and say, let's mess it up. Who can, who can I sleep with today? You know, wipe off the fog and say, how could I just ruin things? But the wrong question that we have to talk about is not how do I get here. It's, it's how do I get out? How do I get out? Because no doubt the, the Israelites under the Egyptian rule were saying, how did we even get here? But God was providing the way out. He was providing the opportunity to bring them out, free them, restore them, redeem them, and give them fulfillment. In fact, the scripture says, I will bring you out. It's not what you could ever bring out not what you could do. It's always about him. I will bring you out. And in Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul says, when God lives and breathes in you, when he does his part, you are delivered from that dead life, that trapped, empty, exhausted life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. Because the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he's promised that same spirit to us. And when he's alive in us, those promises can come to fruition, can germinate and grow beautiful fruit in your life. You know, we're talking about Project Rescue today. But as I look back and I see trapped, empty, exhausted lives, globally, we're partnering with Project Rescue. But right here in East Texas, 
we've really built a church on the promises of God. When you go through starting point, in fact, we had week one of starting point today. Where are my starting point crew at? Have a starting point? Yeah. We've designed all of starting point around these four promises. Our whole strategy here at Timber Creek is basically we want to help people know God, salvation, find freedom, discover purpose, it's restoration, and make a difference, that's fulfillment. And those four promises of God, we want to see happen right here. It's why we do what we do in services. It's why we are going to roll out the red carpet for a lot of your friends, relatives, associates, and neighbors at Easter. It's why we're partnering with the prison in Dybal, the prison campus. And we're going to be having a service every single week starting Easter weekend in our local Dybal Correctional Center. And, and, and we, we, we believe that God has more that he sees the plight of the prisoner, the plight of the slave, and he wants to do more than happen. Now, I know some of you, when I talk about the prison campus, I know some of you might say, <laughs> they did the crime, they do the time. Well, duh. It's not like we're going there with picks trying to break them out. I'm not trying to pull a Shawshank on them. But they deserve to know the promises of God too. And there are people that have been forgotten in society that deserve to know that there's more than the dead, in, enslaved, trapped, exhausted, empty life. And what we want to see is that through the prison campus alone, that we help them know God, find freedom, discover purpose. And then when they get out someday, listen, we had 30, 50, 20, I don't remember how many numbers we're painting, how many people were painting the other day. 40 inmates painting the chapel last, last week. And Pastor Alvin brought in pizza. One of the guys came up and said, I haven't had pizza in 13 years. 13 years. We're like, here, take it, take it. They won't let me take it. Just eat it now, eat it. If they don't discover purpose, they're going to leave, and 60% of them are going to be right back in. You know what's even worse than that? Is the holistic process that that does on the children of those that are in prison. 60 plus percent of children of an incarcerated parent will find themselves incarcerated. we got to break that cycle. And we don't have to come up with it. We don't need some kind of brilliant new idea. God says, find me, you'll find freedom. I'll show you redemption and I'll help you find fulfillment. But you got to know my promises and you got to pursue me. So I think it's critically important that you understand that we are going all in on these core promises right here locally. Before I talk about globally what we're doing, many people say, yeah, well, what, you cross the sea, but what about across the lawn? Look, we, 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 we have staked our life on this thing. As a church, we have gone all in on these promises right here. And God has called us to reach people we know, people that are close to us, people we may never come in contact with. Because his promises are for all generations. A couple of weeks ago, myself and four couples went to India, and we toured several different places of Project Rescue, an organization that is helping in modern-day deliverance with the issue of the plight of the prisoner, but it's not brick and mortar, it's sexual slavery, it's sex trafficking. Many of these women 
are uh, sold into slavery by their parents. Um, many of them are stolen, kidnapped, and brought across the country and forced to pay off a debt of their master in these red light districts behind a little curtain in a tiny little closet that you can barely walk into. And these ladies have children and those children grow up and it's a vicious cycle. But God is about breaking the vicious cycle and bringing hope and redemption. This is a little bit about our trip. Take a look at this video. said several times to the congregation that uh, anytime I feel like we need to step it up in a certain mission initiative, I'm never going to walk blindly into that. We're going to put boots on the ground. We're going to do our investigation. When, when I come before you, I take very seriously talking about where we're going to invest and inviting you to continue to be faithful in your investments here and globally. I want to make sure that it's a legit, awesome partner, and we have seen nothing but the utmost integrity, success, God-sized miracles happening through Project Rescue. Uh, Project Rescue started in 1997 with 37 girls that were children of women in sex trafficking. And it started as a response to just caring for the physical, 
spiritual needs on a day-to-day basis with these women that were in the red light district. And what we saw through Project Rescue was that not only did they have a need to reach the women that were involved in the bondage, but these women were getting pregnant. And what were we going to do with these children on, on helping stop that vicious cycle of having the next generation be born into that kind of slavery as well? Since 1997, they have launched five red light district churches where women are worshiping and receiving the message of Jesus and getting saved and starting the process, starting the process of those promises of God. 469 children are in 24-7 care. Those children aren't just children on the street. They are specifically children in red light districts that their parent, their mother is in sex trafficking. Today, there are 12 homes in eight different countries reaching 35,000. That number has actually increased to 37,000 now at the end of the year. And it started with just a handful of girls. The same way it started with a baby in a wicker basket. God can start something small and make it big when it's about his promises to be fulfilled. Can I just, ask, can I just encourage you? Maybe God's given you a dream. If, it, if your dream isn't God-sized, go back to the dream table. Go, go back to sleep and dream again. God wants to give you dreams that way outweigh your own plight, your own life, your own wealth, your own comfort. God wants to give you dreams that, outstri- that stretch your imagination, that stretch your comfort zone. And he gives, he, he wants to speak to you like he spoke to Moses. And Moses was nervous about it. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to go. He was ner- he, was, he was a stutterer and he didn't know what to say and God gave him the tools he was able to make a difference and we got to see the process in and of ourselves this is Sonia Bonner one of our uh, friends that went on the trip she's praying we got mission we got access that that no other mission trip group has ever gotten I mean they took one look at the past and they said man we trust these guys (laughs) or they looked at it and said Oh, well, come on. Here Sonia is in the doorway of a small little place praying with someone. It starts with just coming alongside people. Well, why, why don't they just, if you, if you got the opportunity just to rescue them, why don't you just rescue them? Why don't you pull up a van and just get them all out of there? Well, I don't know. Talk to the, talk to the spouse who's being physically, and, uh, physically abused by her husband. How many of you ever had a conversation and said, Why, what are you doing? There's victimization. There's tra- there's in, that people are trapped and they're exhausted and they're empty. They don't know what to do. And it starts by showing them that we're going to be consistent. We're going to be faithful. From there, they begin to hear the opportunity of knowing Jesus. This crowd of about 40 women, I got to share those four promises actually with them. That scripture with them about the promises of God for their Life Behind me is the red ribbon that I got to cut that was the vocational center that we opened that day. That's a 12-week course on how to learn how to sew and stitch and make their own kind of material so they can break the cycle of earning money. The only way they've known how to earn it as since they've been a small child and they can actually find an, in, an income with dignity. Can I get a good amen? 
So these sewing machines are purchased and they go through the 12-week process and then they get connected at different places to start earning an income through that. Uh, uh, in fact, they have their own program that does it. Target called them and said, hey, will you guys manufacture 50,000 of these uh, uh, portrait things that are made of leather? And the director, I love this integrity. The director said, what, what I'm going to rescue them from sex slavery and then put them in a sweatshop? We can't do 50,000 things and have these, these women working 19, 20 hours a day getting your, getting your photo. We, we have to do it with dignity. So they're protecting them by becoming enslaved to the sewing machine as well. But they got to give them a process of getting out of that. Here they are showing us some of their skills. I tried it myself and I stitched up my shirt. It's a joke. I'm not that stupid. <laughs> At another location for boys, because boys are becoming more and more trafficked. Boys are learning, getting out of that, and they're learning how to put together an engine, how to start with car repair. Trust me, India, like crazy amount of vehicles, like unreal. When the, when the forecast says smoky, all right, you, 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 when the forecast says sunny here, it's like, oh, it's a miracle of God. But it says smoky there. It's, the smog is unreal. Real, and they're learning here on the whiteboard, right out there at their center, learning how to discover purpose, find freedom to discover the purpose. This lady is an example of the holistic approach from salvation to freedom to restoration to now a difference maker. She was saved off the streets as a prostitute, and now she serves, in fact, 60% of the staff of Project Rescue are women that have become whole through God and are now making a difference for other women. Here she is, here she is taking some school-aged children who came out of the red light districts. She's taking them and she's taking them back home and she's serving in that school. We got to see the children as they are rescued from the area. And it starts just by loving the parents. It's not like we steal the kids from the parents. But the parents say, I can't provide the kind of thing that you can provide. Will you help my child? And so they bless that, that mom by taking the child and helping break the cycle. They give them food and shelter and clothes. It's not much. I took a picture of one drawer underneath a bunk bed to show my own kids as their own drawers burst. Closets that burst to remind us that we are so very blessed. And yet these children were so happy with their, with their one drawer of everything they owned. They were so happy because they were finding real freedom. From children to graduates, we see the holistic cycle. And that's what God wants to do in everybody's life, friends. You know, this is Raul. Raul was rescued at two and a half years. His mother died of AIDS. And through Project Rescue, nine years later, Raul is a young kid that can play cricket like nobody's business. We didn't have the video I'm the only guy on the entire team that, number one, got sick, like close to death's door sick, crazy sick, graveyard sick. And I also was the only guy playing cricket in that whole crew. Sonia Bonner's hitting, you know, whatever they call them in cricket, home runs. 
I got a big old bloody nose smacked in the face with a cricket ball. Bless God. I still, I still like him. He's a cricket. He, has, he, has, he aspires to be a hotel manager. And he was rescued from the brothel. This little child is Sabrina. Sabrina's mom contracted AIDS and died in the red light district. Project Rescue found her at 12 months old. Now she's in seventh grade and she loves art and drawing. This is Samara on the left side. Samara is HIV positive. They have one particular home with 60 children in it that are all HIV positive and they don't quarantine them because of HIV. They quarantine because they need the best care they can get and they, and they have very specialized care for those that are HIV positive. When she was very young, she spent weeks and months in the hospital. But God, God brought her out, <laughs> gave her freedom. She has purpose. The person on her right, her friend on her right, that they're in a hug. That young girl was found by a project rescue worker. As the project rescue worker was walking down the street in the red light district, she saw a man holding a child bartering with a madam of a brothel bartering to sell this child to the brothel. When the project rescue worker walked up and said, hey, what's going on? The man flipped, he, he got nervous and he shoved the baby into the project worker's arm, project rescue worker's arms, ran off, nameless baby. <laughs> Sounds a lot like Moses. And yet God had a plan and they named, they named her Prisha which means glory of God, or glory. And now both Samara and Prisha have graduated high school. And God has a plan for their life. The child in the picture with the skinny legs, Sharuk, product of human trafficking without hope, 13 years later, he's the worship leader at their church. I love this one. In 1998, a group of four girls came to Project Rescue. Sunny, Sumi, Priya, and I love the lot, Pinky. I love that. <laughs> Their mothers were trafficked, and they all lived in the same red light district. But because of Project Rescue, the generosity of people like you and like me, they have a hope and a future. Every single one of them have graduated high school. Pinky and Priya are getting their master's degree in business administration and also in art to be an art professor. It's amazing what God can do and the kind of promises that he can fulfill in anybody's life. This is Kavita. I got to meet Kavita on our very first travel day. Kavita, in just a moment, you'll hear her leading about 75 kids in an opening song on a Sunday morning. Kavita was rescued at a very young age at four years old her mom gave her to grandparents her grandparents weren't just like hey we'll take care of you grandparents put her out to the street to beg and make money a year later her mom got a, a job in the red light district to pay off a debt she got sold into the red light district took kavita back and at five years old she became a slave to the women in the brothel fetching them water and food and cleaning up after them Project Rescue invited the mother to let us give Kavita, which name means poem. Let, let's give poem 
some hope. And her story's radically changed. In fact, uh, Project Rescue caught her on video sharing just a, a thank you to churches like us that support them. Check this out. And I want that love from my mother, like one mother love a child. So I want that love, but Charantam gave me that love and all family. And after Charantam, I got no, I'm not labor. Yeah, right. And I am daughter. Amen. That's right. I got no, I am something. And uh, I got everything like I got worthy. I got like, I, I can do something. I'm not useless. And I can't believe it. I completed my bachelor's. And I'm doing work. I am, and I'm something. And I'm standing here. Really, I praise God for everything. And every Project Rescue leaders and every support who are supporting us. Really, I'm saying thank you. And like, I am like you. Uh, then, uh, when you bought bought one tree, and uh, when you feed them, and after that, like, so after the years and years, you got the fruits from them. So I'm like that only. I'm really praise God and thank you for everything. Oh, thank, thank you, Christian. Did you catch that? I'm like that tree. I'm like that one tree. And you know, a heart that I had when we changed the name Timber Creek Church from Lufkin First Assembly to Timber Creek, Psalm 1 says that those that are committed to God's word, that follow him, that meditate on him, that, that seek after him. They're like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth fruit in their season. Their leaf doesn't wither and whatever they do prospers. And she's like that tree. Had she stayed in the soil of the vicious cycle of a choice that she didn't get to make on her own, we don't know where she would end. Because someone said, I wanna help plant some kids in the right soil. Now she's producing fruit and she's touching your life today thousands of miles away because of the work of Project Rescue. Deliverance is a process, everybody. It takes time. It takes an investment, finances. $3 a day is what Project Rescue says that provides the process for one child to, to go holistic. Not just feed them a meal, but feed them, clothe them, shelter them, train them get them ready for, for the real world, train them in the 10th grade. The 10th grade is like the biggest deal there to get the exam done so that you can choose the path. Otherwise, the path is chosen for you and it's pretty bleak. What I'm inviting us to do today is help rescue as many as we can. Now, the, the, the beautiful thing of this is last year at this time, I challenged our church, Timber Creek, to go all in. For those of you that were, had the potential to be a giver, I invited you to become an occasional giver. Just give occasionally. And for those of you that gave occasionally, I invited you to become a consistent giver, to, 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 to not just think, oh, I had a five in my pocket, I guess I'll give it today, but like be thinking the same way that when you go to Walmart, you need your money, that you would be ready to give into the kingdom of God when you came to church and become a consistent giver. I invited, encouraged, challenged those of you to go from consistency that were already there that to become a tither, a 10% of your income to the kingdom of God. 
trust God with the 10, knowing that he's a better money manager with your 90% with him than without him. And then many of you I, I challenged and Janet and I do our best to lead the way in extravagant giving above and beyond that 10%. Not everybody comes from the same consistency or occasional or tithe or extravagance, but all of us have an opportunity to do two things. Number one, ourselves, we have the opportunity to respond to what God wants to do in your personal life when it comes to those four promises. But then two, help other people in the process. So I'm, I'm glad to say, I'm thrilled, are you excited? I get to tell you today that whether you respond to rescue day or not today, because you've gone all in, we're gonna be able to give $25,000 to Project Rescue to help children find that hope, find that help, find the deliverance that they need. We're gonna be able to do that. Because we've made the decision that that's gonna be a, a key priority over the next 10 years. We're 91 years old as a church. By the time we turn 100, there are very specific things we wanna be doing. But here's what I also wanna say. I also wanna invite you to think about your McDonald's money, to think about the quick run through the breakfast line at Chick-fil-A. Gotta love that new awning, don't you? Now I'll go and spend money there. <laughs> yeah. Your Netflix that kind of hits the debit card, the credit card you don't think a thing about. I wanna invite you to, if you want, if you'd like, to take a step above what we're already doing as a church. We've gone all in and there's no high pressure sales pitch here. I just wanna give you the opportunity. I felt like I needed to, number one, show you that we're gonna give whether you commit to a rescue day or not. But also, maybe there's just some things that, that you might wanna be sacrificing additionally to help these children that are counting on people like us. So would you take your envelope there that was in your seat? Just take it out. There are two pieces of paper. One is an introduction to the founder of Project Rescue, David and Beth Grant. But then the other one is a Rescue Day card. And I want you to hold that in your hand, and we're going to respond to it. There will be zero pressure, only direction from this point, okay? No pressure, just, just direction. On that Rescue card... You can see that on the top, there is personal information, and on the bottom, there is credit card, debit card, banking information. What I would consider you to do, the same way that in November, the Sunday before Thanksgiving, we have a Feed One Sunday, where right now we are feeding 425 kids at $10 a month. We're, we're, we, we gave over $50,000 just by Netflix money being debited and credited off of our accounts, we're able to help give $50,000 on just like a $10 a month deal. Rescue Day is no different. Rescue Day, $3 a day provides care and ministry for a woman or child rescued from sex slavery. And so you can see that, that maybe you would like to give nine or 20 or 50 or 90 a month. Nine is three days worth of rescue. 90 is an entire month. Maybe you'd want to do something different in between that or maybe even above and beyond. And quite frankly, I know that some of you with a flick of the wrist could radically change the trajectory of a soul. Flick of a wrist, you could, you, you could do a lot. But let God speak that to you today. 
All I'm asking you to do is walk palms up with everything you have, praying over this ministry and considering to give. So I'm gonna ask you to do this. The video is gonna play and you're gonna hear music. It's actually Kavita leading these kids just at the very beginning. I caught it on my, on my little iPhone uh, singing this song, Thank You, Lord. And I'm gonna put three minutes on the clock in about a minute and a half in, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna ask us to respond. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. As the music plays, maybe talk with a spouse, talk to God, fill out the information if you feel led to choose to, to support and do the automatic withdrawal. These will be sealed back up in the envelope that you have. We'll receive them, we'll count them, we'll send them to Project Rescue, and you will be starting a process of helping modern day deliverance come true. Guys, roll the video, pray about it, talk with someone, and then begin to fill it out, and in just a moment, I'll give you more direction. And in the same way, what you hold in your hand is like what God can use to do great things. Would you close your eyes with me and pray over that right now? Father, we just pray that, Lord, whether we're giving today or not, whether we have um, invested in extra or we're just being faithful and consistent and tithing and being extravagant, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege God, I look at before and after of my one-year-old daughter and 14-year-old daughter now. God, you've so blessed. Please do not let any of us take for granted the blessings that we have. And Lord, for those that are choosing to go a little bit above and beyond today and do a rescue day card, I pray that the same way that staff opened up was put across the Red Sea and God you moved, that God you would move on behalf of the women and children, the young boys and young girls that we will never lock eyes with, but you have numbered the hair on their head. And we pray that the cycle of slavery would be broken in Jesus' name. God, we can't reach, it's a $150 billion industry, the trafficking industry. God, we can't reach every single woman and every single child. But God, we're going to do something. We're going to put a dent in the darkness today. We're going to do our part, God. And I pray that it would multiply and that there would be Moses raised up out of that generation. That there would be Esther's raised up and Ruth's raised up out of that generation that would make a difference in the kingdom of God. We ask it all in the mighty name of Jesus and everybody said amen.